Hello, everyone. Welcome to Nerd Unscripted. This is your host, the fun-loving, sexy little pirate dude with the cat <laughs> on the screen. <laughs> For those of you who can see the screen. Um, and today's topic, um, you know, since I don't have slides when I teach this live, got to do something to make it fun, right? Um, but anyway... Uh, today's topic is going to be a little bit different, and I really wasn't sure what to title it. I, I knew what I wanted to, um, to talk about, and it really um, came out of a, an ongoing discussion that Kristen and I have. Um, we are uh, constantly in a process of, you know looking at how we can be um, as fluid as possible, as uh, clean as possible. Clean, not meaning taking showers, <laughs> although that's important. Um, clean in from the perspective of letting go of baggage, which we all have in one form or another. Um, because, you know, we recognize that in order for us to be the most effective that we can be in what we're called to do, there has to be that constant state of flow, like divine inspiration, creativity, um, prosperity, love, all of those things flow through us from God, from the universe, through us and out into the world around us. And so we all have baggage. You know, and uh, so for us, and uh, it's something that I've practiced for years and years personally, it's just a constant state of living in a constant state of introspection, but not to where we just focus on that and nothing else, because what would be the point of that? But rather identifying those things like i don't know how you are and how your experiences are but for me um there is uh like you'll see things take place or you'll see things happen or you notice that um it seems like you're bumping up against a wall which i which i shared some about before and um and there's certain topics that whenever they seem to come up, there's emotion around them. And uh, which, as I've shared in the past, is a good indicator that there's something going on there because our emotions are kind of like a, a guidance system that let us know. You know, so somebody could say, well, maybe maybe this is what's going on or you had trouble with that. And, you know, whenever you think about it, it's like, no. No, it's not that. And then they mentioned something else that maybe you've thought about and pushed down or maybe you hadn't considered before at all. And all of a sudden, it's like somebody punches you in the gut and all of a sudden your eyes are welling up with tears and everything. You're like, what the hell is going on? Where's this coming from? You know, uh, that's just our emotions doing their job, letting us know that, hey, there's something going on here. And um, you need to take a look. Now, one of the things that I've discovered, and I've kind of seen this play out in my life at different times in the past, 
Um, but it's in the last week or so, it's become especially evident as I've been kind of working through some different things personally. And that is that we are very clever at times <laughs> as humans in wanting to avoid pain or wanting to avoid uh, dealing with things. And we'll make excuses or we'll say it's not that big of a deal or we'll shrug it off or, or whatever. But yet, deep down, there's this thing that is gnawing at us and we can't necessarily put our finger on it. Sometimes we don't even know what the hell it is uh, because it's so buried or or whatever. But we have defense mechanisms very often that we can develop. And one of the big defense mechanisms that I've been I don't want to say struggle with because I don't see it as a struggle, but I've certainly become aware of uh, even more so in the last couple weeks is where the shadow dancing uh, title comes from, because I've seen where um, and I know I'm not alone in this, but where we will um, justify things in a way that makes us feel good about our justification uh, rather than embrace the reality of what's going on. I'll give you an example. So, um, trying to think of the best example because there are many. Let's say that you get well here i'll give you this example years ago um some of you might be aware of this story but years ago i would say starting in the late 90s 97 or 98 somewhere in around there um i was still working for um the christian publishing company destiny image and uh, I left there at the end of 1999. But at that time, in the very late 90s, I was still working there as the head of the graphics department. And I had a team of designers under me and everything. And I had gotten this idea, which I had shared, I think, on another show regarding um, this storyline uh, called Harmony. And it was... Um, basically a 3D animated kind of thing based on musical instruments. And I got stories and characters and all kinds of stuff. And uh, long story short, I um, found out, I think it was in 2002, uh, a lot of people, friends, knew that I was working on this. And the thing that was really hard about it was that... Um, no matter how hard I tried to make it happen, I couldn't make it happen. I just didn't have the skill set. I, you know, I was doing some 3D modeling at the time. I had built some 3D models related to this um, idea. I had multiple stories written, songs written, characters developed, uh, all of that. And I just couldn't make it happen and 
um, through the process of me trying to make that, bring that, you know, to life, um, another company in the Christian market space um, brought something almost identical to market. Um, I mean, it was like my, my idea, basically. Now, did they steal it? Um, who knows? You know, I was working with a concept artist uh, to concept out my characters. He was also working with them as a publisher as well as a designer because he was freelancing. And um, so for a while, I told myself the story that he sold me out and ripped me off and all of that. But the reality is that I have no proof that he did that. It just seemed um, convenient, you know, to me at the time. And I needed to justify uh, not being able to actually accomplish this inspired vision that I had, this inspired dream. And I really, I like I had to go through a grieving process. I, I can literally still remember um, exactly where I was, when it was, everything. Whenever I got the phone call from my friend who was at the uh, National Religious Broadcasters event. Um, cause he handled all of the, uh, displays and setup and everything for destiny image for these big, uh, publishing events where, you know, book buyers would come in <laughs> and, uh, cause I was at a powwow with my family. It was like July 6th, 2002. Um, we had friends there and, uh, one of the friends that was there with me was a mentor of mine and, we're still friends today. Um, but I took it really hard. It, I, it felt like a death in my family. Uh, I took it that hard. Like I was angry and portrayed and uh, disappointed with myself. And I mostly just blamed myself that, you know, here I was given this great idea. And because of my inability to bring it to pass and I didn't have the money to bring it to pass, I was back. <laughs> I didn't. I was paid well at Destiny Image, and even when I started my online business, the first um, year or two was was pretty decent. But 2002, like when all of this went down, um, I was really struggling. I mean, I had made $11,000 that entire year. And so being in the midst of all of that and on the verge of losing my house and all of those kinds of things, it was like the ultimate sucker punch. And what I didn't realize at the time was that I developed a coping mechanism, a defense mechanism based on that experience that still shows up today. And it shows up in some very curious ways. You know, whenever I say that we have like the real us, Okay, like Tony. Uh, and then we have like cartoon versions. Obviously, that's the the dude, <laughs> pirate dude on the screen is not me. It's just a representation or a likeness. So you'd know what that means. You'd know what a shadow of me means, that it has my exact outline based on who I am, but it's not me. Um, you know, we could also use words like um, clone or doppelganger or you know 
twin, whatever. Uh, and each of those have varying degrees of who we are, perhaps. Maybe as simple as an outline or as uh, more complex as nearly identical, like a clone would be. But even a clone of me would not be me. Okay, even though in every other way it would appear to be me. Well, you can also create copies of yourself um, mentally and emotionally. Um, so I've discovered as a defense mechanism, there's shadows of who we are. And we put those shadows forward as us. And for me personally, I've done it as a form of hiding. Um, the real me. I didn't um, so much realize that I was doing it. The first revelation of that came from um, a training weekend that I went through called Radical Leadership. It was about four, a little over four years ago. And uh, it was a very beneficial experience, but also um, terrifying in some respects because at the time I was really struggling with some stuff that was going on some uh, certain ways that I was reacting in situations that I didn't understand why I was reacting like physical visceral reactions whenever I would hear like certain people's voices and stuff like that like if I get a phone call I'd have this immediate adrenaline rush and a fight or flight kind of thing happen and I didn't understand it because I'm not a fearful person. I'm not a stressful person or anything. If anything, I'm probably more flatlined emotionally. Uh, again, probably as a defense mechanism. But um, I remember very clearly uh, being at that event. And I've shared this story, I think, in some forms um, in the past. But... I remember the the facilitator who was there. Uh, she just called me out of my shit. I mean, it it was. I guess I was one of maybe a dozen people who were there, and so we all had our turn of, you know, getting called out. But you know me. I I'm a teacher. I'm a talker. I'm I can be very philosophical. <laughs> Uh, it's just part of, you know, who I've always seen myself as. And, you know, I, I think I'm decent at it. And so as a result, I mean, that's been part of my identity. And uh, I remember going there on the one hand, feeling the, this pressure that something was going on and I needed a breakthrough, like I was in a box. And on the other hand, the, the pressure of this isn't working you know, this isn't helping me. Um, and so we progress through the weekend, we get to the last day, nothing has changed from what I can feel or tell. And I was frustrated with myself and frustrated with the process because, um, that particular experience or whatever you want to call it, uh, is like $3,000. And so, um, you know, I was kind of plus room and board and stuff. And so I was kind of like, you know, I spent a lot of money to get this breakthrough and nothing is happening. And so one of the final exercises that they took us through was on the last day. 
and um, the facilitator really hit me the way I needed to be hit, you know, very direct and straightforward. And basically, you know, I was, I caught myself going into patterns. Um, at first I didn't recognize them, but then as we went through the weekend, I did where, you know, like she would ask, uh, input on why something is a certain way. And I would start waxing eloquent and she's like, you need to shut up, Tony, and let other people talk. We don't need your philosophy right now. And, you know, people would like gasp <laughs> that she would talk so hard. But for me, I was like, okay, it's, it's all good. You know, it didn't offend me or anything like that. And so I remember standing in, a, in the middle of this circle and everyone else who was um, an attendee was around me. And then the facilitator um, and her assistant uh, were in front of me. And, um, she, she hit me with this thing of, who are you? And, you know, I kind of, my first response is, is that like a trick question? I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know what you're getting at here. She's like, no, who are you? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I teach courses i you know take photos i love photography um you know and i was going through all these things kind of stumbling and she's like stop she's like take away the photography take away tony the philosopher take away tony the teacher take away you know all these other things tony the grandparent you know just going through like strip all of that away and what's left. And in that moment, like whenever she said that, I felt immediate panic, uh, which really uh, surprised the daylights out of me, you know, because I was thinking, why am I panicking? And um, so, you know, she pushed the issue, you know, who are you? And, um, I said, I guess I'm just me. And in that moment, I discovered several things. Because immediately I felt like the walls that I was bumping up against had just vanished. And that they actually never really existed. I had created them myself. And um, what I realized in that moment was that philosopher Tony and photographer Tony and teacher Tony certainly are all a part of who I am, but they're not who I am. Like, they're like what I do, you know, but they don't represent who I am. And what I discovered was that in that moment is that the person, the stripped away version of Tony, I had been hiding because I didn't like that version of Tony. Thought it was boring, thought it was, you know, no good reason to exist. And so I did the same thing that I did whenever I first started trying to come out of my shell at age 18. I created a persona, um, which is exactly what I did. I created a persona because I realized that
if something didn't change, I was going to die alone. <laughs> you know, no dates or anything. I went on my first date when I was 18. But um, so, you know, I literally reinvented myself and created this persona because I noticed that whenever I would go on photo assignments and they acknowledged me as a photographer, I could take on that role as photographer and boss people around or tell them, you know, what to do and how to pose and whatever, which is very uncharacteristic for me. And so, um, Tony, the photographer, even though I definitely have an eye for photography, um, but Tony, the photographer was an invention of me. It was a shadow of the real me. And so I noticed that over the years, what I realized was that over the years, the different parts of who I am as a person, while valid, okay, I mean, it's kind of hard to fake teaching, <laughs> you know, either you do it or you don't. Um, but they were still a bit of a protection mechanism uh, because I was afraid to let the world see the real me because uh, I didn't think that they would like it um, and because I didn't like it. That's really what it came down to. And I, I mean, honestly, this show, Nerd Unscripted, has been a part of that um, unveiling, for lack of a better word, you know, to just show the world who I really am. And, you know, I had to get to a place where it was like, if you don't like it, I'm sorry. You know, if you don't like me or what I believe or whatever, I'm sorry. You know, that's, but I'm not changing. And that's one of the things that caught me um, at RL was that I realized, uh, radical leadership, is that I realized that I was so busy trying to be what other people thought I should be or could be that I never really stopped to find out who I was. And so that was a huge revelation um, that has been constantly opening up over the last several years since then. Um, but what I discovered, like I thought that that discovery was the be all end all, that that is actually what I needed, you know, and okay, we're done with that. Now we can move on to the next thing. But I'm sure that if you've been through any kind of um, personal discovery or, you know, inner exploration and personal growth and those kinds of things, then you're well aware of the fact that um, it's all just layers of an onion, <laughs> so to speak. And there's always more. It doesn't matter how much of a breakthrough you have. At some point, there's always more. Um, I guess that's the beauty of uh, spiritual evolution. Who knows? But uh, more recently, um, I've been struggling through some things that I didn't understand. And um, I didn't know what was going on. And one of those was related to a book idea that I got when Kristen and I first got together. And like um, Harmony, it came as a download. Uh, we were on a road trip. And, uh, well... It, it actually started off as a dream, and then um, we it continued as a huge download uh, while we were on this road trip. And so she was writing notes and everything. 
as I was describing different things that I saw and, and, uh, it, it just was this huge thing that has been with me ever since. Um, and one of the things that I noticed with it all was that I couldn't, I couldn't write anything about it. And I blamed it on a lot of different things. Like I knew that it was something I was given as a gift and yet I couldn't embrace it. And, uh, it's been an ongoing frustration and struggle of mine. And there's been some other similar kinds of things that have been very, uh, that have been playing out the same way, like certain ideas that I get for a project or something. And I get it like 90% complete and then move on to the next thing. And I always chalked it up to just getting a lot of ideas and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so the other night I was um, pacing like I often do and just kind of asking some questions. And I was being pretty pointed about it all, you know. Um, and uh, one of the things that I, I put out there was you know why why am i having a hard time connecting with this stuff why why does it seem like such a struggle to um you know to write these stories to you know create art or whatever the case may be and i wasn't I wasn't really prepared for the answer that came to me. Um, it actually hit me so hard. It knocked, like I felt like the wind was knocked out of me. Um, it really felt like a sucker punch, which is how I described it to Kristen. Cause she's like, every time I pace or whatever, you know, she's like, so did you get any insights? You know, anything come to you? And, uh, I actually wrote this, wrote the note of it down whenever it came to me because it was just like, um, well, I'll read it to you. You'll get it. Uh, and this was with regard to this novel. Um, the thought that came to me was this, I am teaching how to do what I need to do myself to justify that I can and accepting that is enough to avoid taking action because of fear. That was the phrase that came to me. In other words, I could teach on writing fiction and teach it convincingly and use that to justify that I do have the ability to write because I have written stories and so on and so forth. But instead of doing that from a perspective of helping people, which is a genuine part of it and people benefit from it, I'm accepting the teaching of it as enough. Rather than actually doing the work myself, taking the action on writing that book myself, because the idea of writing that book, when you get right down to it, scares the shit out of me. I'm afraid to do it. And the reason why I've been afraid to do it, come to find out, 
is because any number of reasons, you know, part of it goes back to what I shared, you know, the struggle that I had with harmony. What if I can't do it? You know, what if I set out to write this story and I just can't do it? What if I don't have what it takes? What if I do get it done and it sucks? You know, or, you know, it ends up being a failure or, or whatever. And I'm just being really honest and transparent here, okay? Because I'm more interested in light bulbs happening for you guys and you finding help with the, uh, your own struggles, perhaps. But I had to face a really hard truth in that. And that is that I was willing to accept dancing with the shadow rather than face the possibility of the real thing. Now, it's not to say that if I did commit to writing the book, the novel, whatever, that it would suck. It's not to say that in committing to write that, that I, you know, that I actually could do it rather than not have the stuff that I need to do it. Um, but as you probably well are well aware for whatever random reason, it seems to be easier to believe the worst than to believe the best. You know, to believe that we actually can do something rather than that we actually, you know, what if we can't? And to me, one of the interesting dichotomies of the whole thing is that I can point to as proof a lot of things that I have accomplished and a lot of things that, you know, that I've been very successful in and, and all of that. I mean, you know, I can point to a hundred courses, um, you know, 1500 webinars and, you know, award-winning photos and all kinds of stuff like that, that I can point to and say, see, I did create something. I did do something that matters, you know, two retail stores that have been a part of the master plan, you know, that whole big thing. But yet I see these other things and it's like stopped, you know, it's like somebody hit the pause button and it's like you're in a room, you have to go into the next room and it's so freaking dark that you can't see your hand in front of your face. And you're just unwilling to take that step, not realizing that there's like a motion sensor in that room. And as soon as you step into it, all the lights turn on, you know, but it, you never find that out because you don't actually step into the room, you know. Uh, and then there's other people who, you know, the one thing that's stopping you from taking action on whatever it is. Uh, for them, it's like swimming, you know, and, and, you know, like a fish in water, you know, they just do it as if it's no big deal. And for you, it's this, you know, insurmountable thing. Uh, and I find, I find it all extremely curious, but 
where I am with some of this and what I've recognized in it is that you have to want it. You have to want it more than like the energy of you wanting, wanting it has to be greater than the energy you're giving to the fear because fear in and of itself is neutral. We're the ones that give it power. And so you have to desire whatever that is, you know, the great American novel or whatever, um, more so than the fear that's preventing you from doing it. I mean, that seems kind of obvious. And so I think I shared a couple of weeks ago, whenever I was talking about the mental masterminds, how um, I'd been given this assignment. And the assignment was to describe my ideal life. Seems simple enough. You know, I mean, I'm already pretty active in it, doing a lot of things that I enjoy. So you think that it would be really easy. And I discovered that it, it was anything but easy. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, even after I got that in assignment from all the great guys around the table, in my mental mastermind, I avoided it. Couldn't do it. Didn't even understand why at first. And so it's been several weeks. And I didn't do it. And so the idea of not taking action on that has been weighing on me as well. It's been a hell of a couple of weeks <laughs> from a growth perspective. And um, so again, another time I'm pacing just a couple of days ago. And uh, of course the thought comes to me in a form of a rhetorical question. So did you write out your ideal life yet? <laughs> like God or the universe or whoever it is doesn't already know the answer to that question, right? And so, um, you know, and I'm quickly approaching a month uh, that I was given that assignment. Uh, August 31st is actually the date on the file. <sighs> And so my response, of course, was, no, I haven't. Well, why not? Well, I don't know. And I felt like I was in trouble. Like I felt like I would think my ideal life would be the easiest thing in the world to describe. I mean, I've done it before and I've seen it happen. Um, back when... Courtney was first born, I made a written list, dated it everything, of what at that time I considered my ideal life, which included some things that, quite frankly, to even happen would have required miracles. And yet, everything on that list actually happened, and those miracles happened. So you think I would know, you know, that that this really works. And of course I do on a lot of levels because I've seen it play out, but yet there's still this hesitancy, right? And I realized that I was afraid to describe it because 
what if I describe this thing and, and it didn't happen? You know, does that mean that I'm a failure? Does it mean that, you know, I'm just a big dreamer and that's it? Um, and so I was struggling with that. And this whole theme of fear and failure have been coming up a lot lately. I don't know why. Um, I guess there's obviously something to it. Uh, and so, again, once again, I was faced with this thing of an illusion, you know, um, a shadow. Accepting a shadow, it's better to not know than to know and lose it, you know. Um, it was kind of like this unspoken conclusion that I had come to. And uh, so... The thought came to me as I was pacing and meditating and stuff that really um, shifted my mindset over the whole thing. And I thought that somehow in some convoluted way that describing my ideal life was like a I don't want to say punishment. I didn't see it quite like that, but there was just a lot of fear around it. I don't, I can't explain it other than that. But then I got this explanation of why I needed to do it, which I didn't have before. Um, and it just kind of changed my perspective. And the, the thought that came to me, and this is just a couple of days ago, um, was... If you can describe it, you can imagine it. And if you can imagine it, you can create it. And I realized whenever that came to me that the big thing that I was afraid of, I didn't really honestly need to be afraid of at all. That just like how in the past I've described this master plan that we have of um, having a science center in a park and all of that kind of stuff like that that all exists in complete form and the more we see is just a greater revelation of that picture and that there's parts of that that I can see myself walk through like the science center I've taken mental tours of that whole thing I can see it describe it I know what it looks like like it's very real to me in that sense but yet even though that's true for that, the idea of writing that novel, I can't see, I couldn't see that at all. And because the, uh, the view of it was being eclipsed by the fear surrounding it, you know, what if I, what if I can't, what if I don't have the ability to? And so those fears were eclipsing the vision of that novel complete. I mean, hell, I, I've had times where, and I think I shared some of this in the past, where whenever I was working, actively working as a cover designer, you know, where I'd imagine myself just walking into a library and pulling the book off of the shelf and then to just to see the cover, and then I would design the cover just according to what I saw. Like, I've done those things. I've been through those kinds of experiences, but yet, you know, here's this one thing, you know, writing a novel or like I have an idea for a party game um, that 
is 90% finished. I mean, honestly, it's it there's some kinks that need to be worked out in the game mechanics, but you know, it's mostly ready to go and I know that it could do well. I have physical copies of it. But yet I haven't pulled the final trigger. Why? Well, because what if it's stupid? What if people won't like it, you know, or whatever? And so again, fear is eclipsing the reality of it. Um, and so because of that, I've accepted a shadow. It's like, well, yeah, I have this great game idea, blah, blah, blah. And describing the idea of it all, I've accepted as enough rather than accepting the reality of it. You know what I mean? So I've accepted the shadow rather than the reality because the shadow is safe. I can talk all day long about the idea behind the novel. I can describe it in detail. And the novel never exists except in notes here in Evernote. Like I have pages and pages and pages of character descriptions and locations and all kinds of stuff. And whenever I talk about it, I feel energized and enthusiastic and all of those things. And the few people that I've shared the idea of it with, they're like, oh, this sounds great. You know, I can't wait to read it and all of that. And I get all excited and everything. Have I written it? No. I've accepted the shadow of it as enough. But here's the thing. Shadows will never be reality. Shadows are never the real thing. And so you have to ask yourself, just like I have had to ask myself, what's more important? Living an illusion and accepting that is enough? Or pushing the illusion aside, shining a light on a shadow till it disappears and say, you know what? I want the book. I want the park. You know, I want the game and make it happen. Now, it's not to say that everything in my life has been a compromise of shadows. I mean, you know, all of you guys and gals are customers of mine. So, um, you know, you own products that I've created, that they exist, they're real things. Even though they may be digital, they're still real. You know, you've seen photos that I've taken. You've seen art that I've created. So it's not like it's all there. And the tempting argument can be, well, all the stuff that you have created, isn't that enough? Like, can't you be satisfied with just that? But that isn't how creation works. I mean, can you imagine if tomorrow we woke up and the earth, all of a sudden, all creation just stopped? Like, we're born creators. We are creators. That's what, we're, that's what we do. You know? Um, you know, it's like, hey, you, grass. You know, I know fall's coming and you're going to go into hibernation soon, but you know what? Just stop right now. <laughs> you know, 
those cells need to stop multiplying. I don't want to have to mow grass again. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of crazy to think. But in essence, like, the, Sorry, I just got this interesting picture. Um, the real Tony and the real you. As a creator, I have to create. I have to evolve. And it's kind of like cells multiplying. Like I just said it without even thinking about it. Dang, universe is very sneaky that way. Um, Kristen and I often joke about not going on vacation much because the moment we unplug, we start getting all kinds of ideas. And so we just don't unplug. It's kind of like a double-edged sword. On the one hand, you're constantly pushing, but we enjoy what we do. But yet you st there's still a weariness that comes with that. And on the other hand, if you do stop or stop, pause or whatever you want to call it um the growth still happens just in a different form in the form of imagination and creativity and ideas and all of that and so we're constantly presented with this challenge of growth it's what we do i mean and we keep doing it well from a physical perspective until we die but from a spiritual perspective it never stops um, because that's just what we are. We're an evolving race of beings. You know, we are constantly evolving, constantly changing, constantly multiplying. Call it spiritual cellular development. I don't know. I just made that phrase up. But I'm just trying to describe the picture in my head right now. So, so like the novel now maybe writing for you is not even a thing but for me it is um so you know whether it's the novel or the science center or you know the party game just to pick three examples trust me there's more um those represent a part of my i don't know for lack of a better way of saying it spiritual cellular multiplication <laughs> that's not even a thing i don't think but anyway that's i can't think of a better way of explaining it because i keep seeing like core tony me i mean i can't speak for any of you but i would venture to guess that there's truth in all of it and for all of you um there's this core tony and because i exist there's this constant state of multiplication, like, you know, growing, 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 bigger and bigger, bigger. And, oh, here's photography and here's a novel and here's this other part. And it's growing, growing, growing. But then by the same token, we have this external push of fear that's trying to contain this growth and stop it from happening, you know, because our intellect is getting engaged and thinking i can't write a novel i've never written a novel before and you know like one of the embarrassing things for me um came from one of my friends uh the guy who manages the toy box and it's like before we had the stores um 
we worked out in the play space. And he had, you know, his thing, uh, his workstation over one corner. My workstation was in another corner. And I remember one day he was complaining about how, you know, he's like, you're different than me. And, you know, you're really creative and can come up with stuff. And I just can't do that. And I said, bullshit. Like, first of all, the guy's a talented musician and all this kind of stuff. And he's very creative. And so I just called bullshit on him. And he's like, well, I, I just can't do it. And I said, you know, let me give you a challenge. Do you want a challenge? And he's like, yeah, sure. I said, imagine a group of misfit kids who start their own band. What would their adventures look like? Can you write about that? And he stopped. He was walking across the room and he stopped and he said, you know, I think I can do that. Never wrote anything other than music. But no stories, no anything, no fiction, no not much less a novel for crying out loud. And over the next several months, he started writing no experience, no training, no guidance, no anything other than just writing it out. And the dude ended up writing, I don't know how many chapters you know, 50, 60,000 words, something like that. I don't even remember now what his word count ended up being. And the thing about it is, is that it was good. It was really good. And um, he hasn't quite finished the story yet. We kind of made a manager and he got really busy, you know. Uh, so I can accept some responsibility for it. But the other night when I was pacing, I was reminded again of Johnny and his story. And it's like, remember how you challenged Johnny to write that story? I said, yeah, the results were really cool how he took that and ran with it. And I was really proud of him for doing that. And of course, you know, the next question that came after that was, so then what's your excuse exactly? And I'm like, damn it, set up again. <laughs> you know, it's one of the ways that I guess God of the universe gets, gets to me is like I'm set up and I walk right into it. I don't even know how I think I'm pretty smart, but yet I walk into it all the time. And, uh, and so that's been my experience over the last few days is recognizing how I can't say all of us because I don't know all of you, uh, you know, and your deepest, darkest secrets, so to speak. But many of us have been willing to accept the shadow of something that we know we need to do out of fear of failure, out of any number of things. It may not be fear of failure for you. It could be something else entirely. For me, it was a combination of two things, a fear of failure, because here I am, you know, someone who's known for creating products and all of that kind of stuff. And so what if I can't do X? Like, what if it just doesn't work out? Like, I would rather not know the outcome. 
even though I have no proof that I would fail. I have no proof that it would suck. I have no proof that I can't do it. Other than the experience that I had with Harmony, and honestly, that's really not proof. You know? Uh, and so... The question becomes whatever it is for you. Uh, do you really want it or are you willing to let it go? Because here's the thing. Man, I hate teaching by the seat of my pants because I get these things that come into me and then I have to say them even though they're self-implicating. We only have so much energy in a given day that we can expend or in our lifetime that we can expend. And whenever you think about the amount of energy that we expend protecting the real us from harm, whether it's a hurtful past event or a dream that we hold on to that we never quite make a reality, maybe it's anger or frustration toward a family member or somebody who hurt us in the past. When you think about all the energy that we expend just protecting that stuff that isn't even helping us, isn't even serving us, how much is left? And when do we say no more? Like, you realize that whenever we protect things, and this is something that I told Kristen in Honestly, it scares the crap out of me, but I know what I need to do with it. I told her, you know, the reason why I felt stifled in my flow of ideas and creativity or whatever, not so much for the business stuff, but in like writing the novel and whatever, is because I'm clogged. I'm clogged. I have these great ideas. I have things that are 90% done in some cases, or maybe they haven't even been started yet. And it's kind of like not being able, like being constipated. You know, shit keeps building up, literally, <laughs> in the case of constipation, to the point where you have no flow. Not to be disgusting, but. The same is true spiritually for us. When we stop our flow, we become spiritually constipated. And the longer it goes on, the worse that it gets. To the point where it becomes really challenging to get anything through. And guess what happens after that? As above, so below right? You've probably heard that phrase before. It starts affecting us in other ways. It can affect our health. It can affect our emotional well-being. It can affect a lot of our relationships. You know, if you're clogged in one area, chances are likely that eventually that will manifest in other things as a clog as well, which is why very often you see people with illnesses, I uh, can't say every time, obviously, but 
in some cases, you see people with illnesses and they're directly tied to unforgiveness or to bitterness or, or an experience that took place where their growth was stunted. So maybe a traumatic event happened when they were eight or 10 or whatever. And so now that they're 30, that event stopped their emotional growth in one area at age eight. So that spiritual cellular division or whatever stopped multiplying in that one area because of that traumatic event. And so the same happens with us, except that we're like, well, it's too painful. I'd rather not face the pain. So I'm just going to, I'm going to take the snapshot. There's another cool analogy. So if I took a picture of you today, came to all your houses and took a photo of you today, or you took a selfie of yourself today, and you decided, you know what? This is the me that I'm going for. And you just stop right then and there, you know, that picture. It's not you. It's a representation of you, but it's not you. You know, five years from now, you know, and I think we see this practice a lot on Facebook, you look at profile pictures and in reality, and they are vastly different, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but we're, we've accepted the snapshot rather than embrace the reality. We've accepted the shadow rather than the reality. When in, in reality, how much greater can it be if we push the loudmouth bastard of fear down and out of the way and said, you know what, shut the hell up and go over to your corner. Or you know what, just leave me completely. And then pick up that thing, whatever it is for you, whether it's writing a novel or creating a game or climbing a mountain, you know, or starting some hobby or craft that you've always wanted to, but justified away as I don't have time, I don't have money, I don't have skill, I don't have experience. You know, what if he just said, screw you to the fear and did it? What would happen? How much better is that, you know, than us caving to this stupid, wimpy thing that we empower? Fear only has the power that it has over us because it's feeding off of our energy. It's stealing our energy. And rather than just stop feeding it energy, we justify it and accept a lesser representation than what we deserve. And of course, on a side note, you know, I'm going to have to go back and listen to this thing myself just for my own benefit, because I really am preaching to the choir here. And I, I want you to know, and I think you understand this is why you listen in is that it's challenging for me to share this stuff because it's reality it's real for me um and when it comes to interacting with the public like i do you know, the, the temptation is to project what people expect success to look like, 
you know, the fancy cars and the big houses and all of the bragging bullshit. But that's not reality. It's not reality for nearly everybody who acts that way. You know, I'm making $150,000 a day in my e-com store. Yeah, and turning $5,000 in actual profit. <laughs> you know, it's like, let's get real, people. But it's it's hard for me to expose that part of myself to all of you because you're customers. You know, I want to have your respect. I, you know, I want you to not think I'm entirely insane. Um, but yet the one thing that I recognized is that there's so much bullshit in the world anymore of people acting anything but honest and real that we have to be real with one another. You know, this is not fake news. <laughs> this is my struggle right now where I am. And you know what? I'm not going to live here. I'm not going to be here forever. It's part of me becoming a better version of me. And if that can help you become a better version of you, then how cool is that? I mean, how awesome is that? Um, to know that my own personal struggles and victories have helped somebody, somebody else achieve their own personal victories. Like that is what drives me. Because at the end of the day, whether you ever decide to buy another product of mine or not, ultimately, I don't care. Don't take it personally, but you're not my source. You know, the universe is my source. And we're all surrounded in abundance. You can say, I don't know where the fuck that abundance is right now because I can barely make ends meet. And I get that. Been there, lived it. Still do from time to time. But that doesn't change the reality of it, that we're surrounded by abundance. It doesn't change the reality that we have these dreams that already exist. They're just waiting for us to bring them into reality. They already exist complete. The question is whether or not you're going to have the courage to do it. And therein lies our challenge for today. So I'm going to take a couple moments and go through comments and questions, and then we will wrap this up. Steve says, politicians and many government agencies are masters of shadow dancing. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I keep up with the news. I don't discuss politics at all. Um, just because it really is that. It really is a shadow dance. And a bit of a lesson in futility, I think. But you're right. Leslie says, wow, this is so much like me. I have all these ideas and things I want to do, but the fear keeps stopping me. Yep. Isn't it funny how we can be busy, 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 yet our busyness is just a mask to hide the fact that we haven't done what we really want to do. 
sorry. But it's true very often, not in every case, obviously. Um, Anne says, thank you for sharing your deep introspections and insights. As I think about it, I too have many of the same feelings, thoughts and actions, minus all your success. <laughs> this is making me give myself a lot of thought and need to continue to think and act more and face my fears. I want you to know that Nerd Unscripted means a lot to me. And uh, you influence my life a lot, helping me realize things and helping me unstuck to come into reality from the shadows. I need to come out of the, uh, those illusions now in reality. Yeah, you do. Uh, and I believe you can and will. Uh, you give me the confidence today to move ahead. P.S. Thank you for your creations, too. I do appreciate them and will continue to use them. Thanks, Anne. Steve says, which is more powerful, fear of failure or fear of success? Depends on the person's past paradigms and experiences of each. Absolutely true. Uh, Mark says, I believe that the defense mechanisms we inadvertently create to shore up our spines against our internal negative dialogues are not bad unless we make them that. Somewhere in my past, likely in multiple places, my subconscious decided that the best way to deal with physical internal reactions of perceived stresses was laughter. So enter the class clown shadow who laughs at nearly everything, even when it's not appropriate. I eventually accepted that shadow. It's an event that actually has real benefits. Knowing that there, knowing that it's there and what it is gives me the edge to keep it sort of to acceptable levels but i have successfully exposed and talked out other shadows like the angry sarcastic guy he was a bummer <laughs> the one thing you said that resonated with me is that regardless of our developed shadow passion beyond the measure of fear creates the action yeah it's really true and i can totally relate uh, I wasn't so much a class clown. I was too dang introverted and shy to be anything <laughs> near that. But um, I've still used humor as a defense mechanism uh, for sure, just because, um, I don't know, it, to me, humor is a bit of a safe haven, you know? I mean, and even... I remember being a teenager and I would do something that would upset my mom. And, you know, like I remember one time specifically, she's like chasing me around the house with a wooden spoon or something. <laughs> Cause I think that's the only thing she had. I don't know. And, uh, once I ran out of space to run, I started in on the comedy, you know, cause I knew if I could get her to laugh, then you know, I wouldn't get the much deserved punishment she was willing to provide. Um, and so I constantly did that kind of stuff. But also, I, I agree with you in that, you know, humor is something that can really cut through a lot of stuff really quickly. And even though it can be a defense mechanism, it, uh, it can also certainly, you know, provide a lot of benefit, which is why you know you have the 
classic statement, you know, a merry heart does good like a medicine. Mark says, if it scares the crap out of you, then you're headed in the right direction. Yeah, true story. And uh, Leslie says, I needed this. Thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, Carol says, thank you so much, Tony. I've been dealing with this and have not understood it for quite some time. It is so much clearer now after you explained it. Thank you a million times for putting yourself out there. You're welcome. Thanks. And uh, Mark says, I have this little thing I do when the internal dialogue gets the upper hand. I visualize it as a monkey and I tell it to eat a banana and I vis visualize that as funny as I can with the monkey trying to talk while jamming this giant banana in. It makes me chuckle every time. Poof, no dialogue, mood change. That's very clever. I like that. Uh, Kathleen says, um, as a student, I most appreciate you uh, your being yourself. That's what makes your classes not only info-packed, but actually enjoyable and creates a sense of community among your students. Thanks for being yourself and thanks for sharing with us. I appreciate that. You're welcome. And uh, Mark says, I appreciate your willingness to share the emotion. That is what creates the passion. That is what really makes everything run. True story. And uh, Steve shares, and this is the last comment, uh, fear is an indication of going out of one's comfort zone. Yeah, for sure. So, anyway, with what we shared today, I know it's pretty heavy. I'm not going to apologize for it. <laughs> but just really, um, I really want to encourage you to embrace those things that you've been so afraid to embrace. You know, one of the big challenges in that is whenever you're exposed, whenever you get to the core of who you are, um, you know, we have to love that core. We have to love that person. And I told Kristen just last night, I think, the, uh, you know, when you get down to the core of who we really are, we're a spark of the divine. You know, and what's not to love about that? You know, we're a unique expression of the divine and there's a spark of life that's there and just the fact that that spark of life exists and that little fragment of the divine exists is enough to love everything else that we do and accomplish is just an outward expression of that inner spark Um, we'll wrap up with this, uh, Lori, uh, shared awesome info today. I asked myself why I'm not getting things done as I have lots of creations to put out and I'm getting very frustrated with myself and very tired of my current life failure. Your talk today has answered my, uh, answered my question and has helped me see much of myself without me hiding me from me. Thank you. You're very welcome. And Kathy shares so much to internalize and ponder. So I can't wait to see what we all end up doing. I can't wait to see what we all end up creating, you know, as we push that stuff out of the way, the stupid fear stuff, and, 
and embrace the divine spark. So I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and uh, we will uh, reconvene here next Tuesday. I have no clue <laughs> what next Tuesday will bring, but we'll find out when we get there, I guess. So have a great rest of your day, everyone.